0: Welcome to Soundcheck Flicks. My name is Tim Piles. Graham Stevens. How are you, man? Dude, I'm great. We're doing Holy Mountain. The Holy Mountain, <laughs> 1973 film. What a trip, right? Had you seen it before? Dude, I so I'd seen this movie twice,
1: and okay. it was both uh, probably about seven to ten years ago, both times. I was on Mushrooms both times, oh. So because I'd been told that was the way to see it, and so I never really got into the story aspect of it and really dug into that part of it. I was just so into the visuals. Cause there, there's no movie that looks like this, not ever like, and, uh, I was blown away by all that. And then this time really brought me into the whole story aspect of it. And I was paying a lot more attention to that side of it. And I didn't take mushrooms this time. <laughs> so it was a whole different experience, but totally still worth it. This movie is amazing. And I'm so happy we're doing it. it. It was one of the movies when we pitched this to Tim Mays to do this podcast, it was one of the movies we were sure we were going to get to do. Uh, we weren't sure how long we did it real quick. I was pretty happy about that. We kind of thought Earthless was going to pick it, but uh, we got to it right away, and I'm happy that Justin picked it, because this is going to be awesome.
0: Justin Pearson of The Locust, and I don't even know to, where to go from there. I mean, good Lord. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the true term of a rock and tour. You're a, a musician, an author, an actor. Um, you do everything. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah. you, do it, you do it well or moderately? Just fake
2: it till you... Make it. Fake it till you make yeah. it, man.
0: Well, 1994, you start the 3-1-G label. That's a, an iconic part of your, your lifetime. I mean, man, you've introduced me to bands. I, I've had uh, great experiences seeing the Blood Brothers back at the Shea Cafe years ago. I'm, I'm very grateful for you as a person, as a friend, all the things you've turned me on to, but more importantly, what you do for this community, for uh. San Diego. Um, you really elevate... Uh, the level of the of just the vibe man i mean it's on the level of, of things that we adore and love and iconic like you know tom waits from san diego or or john waters a personal friend of yours i mean you really have made this town special for me huh. and there's only a Thanks. few people uh, because you know you're you're not san diego you're you what we think of san diego is is kind of or at least i think of san diego is is you know tourism conservative yeah. military you bring you bring the edge. I think San Diego needs uh, so much more of that, and I'm grateful. Thank you. Sorry if I babble on. No, we could talk thanks. about all all the bands <laughs> as well. But uh, long live Gabe Serbian as mm-hmm. well. I mean, you've been through a lot with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot to deal with with for a musician. You know, not mm-hmm. being able to do what you do to make your living. Um, how are you? Everything good? <laughs> that's a loaded question.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, decent. Always decent. Yeah
0: that's that's you you're you're pretty even keel um you're not some rager wild party boy you, you don't ever seem to to be battling any demons that that i can tell hmm. um but i guess yes i've read your books i should know better i'm um, on
2: mushrooms right now <laughs> you, you, that's something i found out more recently about I'm you. You, you. i'm been, not actually but you've but, been um, microdosing or macro, whatever. Or yeah. macro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm just uh, on math right now, actually. Yeah. That. That. Well, that would be groundbreaking <laughs> to learn on this podcast that, that yeah. you were doing that. But I've only done math once. <clears throat> when was that? Back in Arizona. For, I was 14. No, it was in San Diego. Okay. Just yeah. trying to survive uh, with some neo Nazis. They they forced it on me. Oh wow. Yeah. The White Aryan Resistance they were white and Aryan and I was resisting <laughs> getting my ass beat. But, uh, yeah, so there's that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I'm glad Tom Metzger is not a part of our Me uh, community too. anymore. That Me was too. A, a sketchy part of yeah. San Diego time and, and took advantage of a lot of disenfranchised mm. youth, mm. uh, young white men. Mm. Um, well, we're glad you're here, and we picked this trippy movie. I I'm I've I've watched it for the first time yesterday, and I did a little synopsis reading prior to that, so I would understand some of the levels of the representation. But holy fuck, the yeah. Holy Mountain yeah. is a mind trip, um, visually and trying to to follow the story and the characters and what they represent and what the imagery represents. Mm. I mean, from uh, just bodies bathed in blood to young naked children to uh, people that have uh, no limbs uh, to the uh, those are lambs that are on the crucifixes mm. aren't they and they serve those later yeah mm. they, so they took s- them back to the restaurant after they
1: filmed and they served them up to the customers oh really true mm-hmm. yeah Alejandro said that very
2: ethical <laughs> for me, for meat eating meat eating yeah very ethical
0: but what <clears throat> what got you to see that film the first time who, who prompted you to check that out was that something in your youth later in life
2: um, I think it just kinda got on my radar. I I, I could probably say uh Bobby Brave from the Locust may have been the one to, to like push it or like to check it out first or something. Sure. But it was like in the realm of, of like early locust days and, and it and it felt I think we all kinda gravitated towards the film and what it was about because there's a lot of parallels to me and what I was doing musically. So yeah.
0: It's a weird mirror to society. (laughs) No, no. I mean, so was this in
2: the 90s when
1: you saw it? Yeah. So it was a bootleg. Oh, yeah, yeah. We
2: had a VHS bootleg of it, yeah. So
1: at the time, I was working in the video stores, and occasionally I would have customers come in and ask for the Holy Mountain, Mm. and I would just have to tell them, look, there's this issue with the rights. It's not out. Uh, You know? And they'd say, oh, well, I saw Marilyn Manson or Johnny Depp talking about this movie. They've (laughs) they've got it. And I'm like, yeah, they got bootlegs. And Mm -hmm. if you see one, grab it. Because this probably isn't coming back out. Like yeah. They're doing their best to bury this thing forever. So that was where it was at the time. And there was a lot of bad blood between the producer Alan Klein and, and Jodorowsky at that time. So eventually they squashed their shit and around 2006 or seven, it finally did come out. But if you were seeing this at your time when you said you were definitely watching a bootleg VHS <laughs> yeah. copy.
2: It was um, the Holy Mountain, El Topo, and then at the end there was like this movie called um, like two crippled masters or something. It was like a kung fu movie. Okay. And one, one about these two kung fu fighters. One had no arms and one had no legs, and they they like um, fought people. It was a, it was a really well, a well rounded awesome. uh, VHS yeah. uh, bootleg bootleg VHS. <laughs> oh, so. the good old days of like that. You know, like, or going to Comic Con,
0: you maybe find those things. You know. Right. Yeah. I think that's where I found the anti Jar Jar cut. <laughs> on VHS. I still have that today where they could mm.
2: jar jar. Yeah, I got to see that. Oh, <laughs> I'll do a screen. better. <laughs> I should have chose that, huh? <laughs> I should
0: have chose that. I don't know if that's readily available. So your
1: reaction to it like when you first saw it with Bobby and stuff back in the day like w- were you just like holy fuck? Like or did it just open up your mind mm-hmm. all the just cuz there's a lot of sacrilegious yeah. stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Did,
2: did it really open up your mind in that regard or um I think like And I'm not trying to avoid this question or future questions on this podcast, but it it is so, um, it's just so loaded with metaphors and and it's open for interpretation. Every single scene, it wasn't like I was like, wow, this is wild, or like, that was a great action scene, or that dialogue really stuck with me. (laughs) It was like, what the fuck's going on? There's this and that, and there's these things and like these... Um, there's this maybe parallel messages and like what I was going on, like I don't understand. And, and it was like you just kind of were constantly, I felt like my brain was like fully fired up and like going uh, into like compute mode and try to figure out like every single aspect because there's, it's not just like there's one narrative being told in any given scene. There's, I feel like there is um, room for multiple narratives and, and messages and I was really desperately trying to figure all that out. Right, and the lack of dialogue perpetuates that totally. Because I think, and no offense to filmmaking and and, and dialogue and in film, but like when you remove that, you 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 rely on other things such as this, you know, the visuals and I guess the the scenes that are happening. But it also doesn't. It's not very explicit in what the narration or the narrative is. It's like here's like this thing painting. figure it out yourself exactly every
0: scene was <laughs> kind of like a painting and yeah you and could that's what he was trying change. to do he was, sure. saying
1: he was trying to change the world he wanted there to be a new enlightenment from the movie sure you know people see it and it would change their lives and basically this whole movie the way it's laid out is like him doing a ceremony on screen mm-hmm. And then there at the end, he, you know, everything, the camera, and the boom, director, the if camera you ever see... and the boom come in. Yeah. He says, all right, everybody, yeah. we're back in the real world. Like you just had your trip with me now. Yeah. Go back to doing your thing. But you're a changed person now. That's what he wanted anyway. And for a lot of people that was, you know, you were changed. Yeah. It's, a, it's a movie that, you know, stuck in your, your library to the point that we're sitting here now sure. talking about
2: it. it. It made me like, especially like the last scene that you're talking about where, where it zooms out and you and you see it and they say, go back to real life. To me, it it, it made me like kind of think about all of the various uh metaphors or or subjects that were being brought up and and not that i was like on a trip it was kind of like oh i have all these like things that i can um contemplate out in the real world you know and i think that was um helpful for for me especially like in in in, in whatever year that was that i saw it you know like early 20s or something still trying to formulate a lot of ideas i was like oh i'm functioning in, in 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 real life now and i have this thing in the back of my head that might help me um, understand, especially like the religious stuff, you know, I was like, oh, this is pretty, pretty wild. Um, and, and like, sort of like the capitalistic elements, uh, anti-capitalistic elements were, were, were very, um, I don't know, they made an impact. Just For saying,
1: sure. Yeah. And a lot of people were upset by that ending, because after all that journey that they'd been through, that people thought that the characters were just going to float up into the sky and ascend to the <laughs> holy mountain. Uh, and, and then when he does that ending and it's just all a movie yeah. that upsets some people for uh, him, it was like, no, that's exactly what I wanted. Well,
2: like, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I like my mom always wants to watch movies that have like a, that like are like neatly wrapped up at the end. And I'm like, that's just not real life. And I do like that. It was very, um, you know, extreme and, and, and kind of just ridiculous on all the, all, all these different levels. And then at the end they're like, Here's here, here you, you, again, like you've been on the trip. Here's the real life, like take what you want from it. I guess it sync up with dark side of the moon though. I want to (laughs) know
0: not as good as wizard of Oz, (laughs) um, and it should be noted that the, the director, uh, plays the alchemist. He's he's the the main, he leads the film. Yeah. Yeah. Jodorowsky
1: let's get into Jodorowsky. (laughs) So he's Chilean. He's born there in Chile. He's French uh to Jewish Ukrainian parents that is a wild heritage mm. like that's pretty cool that's probably yeah. what makes him who he is sure. like um his mom apparently you know was not he wasn't loved by his mom terribly much growing up apparently it was a violent rape that led to his birth apparently and so she was you know she didn't <coughs> love him apparently he says this and so that that's kind of a rough one that's maybe what set him on his journey mm-hmm. to spiritual enlightenment was that rough start but um he goes to paris in his 20s studies under Marcel Marceau which huh. I think is amazing you know the most famous mime ever and he's just studying with this guy comes back to Mexico City when he's around 30 and uh just you know not long before we start getting into this whole uh Holy Mountain El Topo he starts filming things he's very affected by the massacre in, in uh Mexico City, October 2nd, 1968, when, when the students were murdered by the government. Newspapers reported 25 to 45 kids were killed. People on the site that saw it that day said it was in the hundreds. There uh-huh. was hundreds of kids shot that day. So clearly that affected him, because he's, he's going after it right there at the beginning of the movie, where multiple times we see students lined up and getting shot. So he was making sure that he got his message out there as far as that right away. Um, but there's, there's the whole thing about getting funding for this film, like... He Mm -hmm. does El Topo that comes out uh, and it's kind of considered the original midnight movie classic around 1970. It started the midnight movie cult thing. Apparently. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it was a sensation. I guess that's where the Beatles saw it. And so that's where John and Yoko and George come into the equation. And uh, I guess they gave him some money to make the movie. Um, John and Yoko did Uh, George. This is the craziest one of all to me. So, Jodorowsky says that George was supposed to be in the movie. George Harrison is supposed to be the thief. He agrees to do it, but he says, there's one scene I'm not going to do... And it's the, I'm not, you're not going to see George Harrison's white ass up in the camera getting washed. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not putting my dirty, hairy ass in the camera lens so you could see a beetle get his ass washed. Like, that's, he said, I'm not doing that scene. And because he wouldn't do that one scene, Joe went with the other guy. Wow. And he admits on the director's commentary that he's like, I lost millions on that. Because everybody would have came if George Harrison was in this. I mean, all he had to do was cut the ass washing scene. I mean, it wouldn't have been that tough. Couldn't they have a
2: stand-in ass?
1: That's what I said. Yeah. Get a body double. Yeah. Like, but. But he was willing to stick with you know his art. Mm. He wanted it the way he wanted it. And if you weren't going to do the ass washing, I'm not doing it. He wanted a beetle to wash his ass in front of the world. I get it. I get that's some
0: balls right there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, I get it. Uh, so, speaking of balls,
0: <laughs> that scene was oh, a Jesus little Christ. horrific. How many nine? What was it? That kid was like the thousandth? <laughs> Uh, oh, the castration! Yeah, yeah the we'll, castration get, to, we'll get to the characters oh, a little oh, bit.
1: Sorry. Um, so he, uh, so he films this movie. The whole time he's having trouble. the The Mexico City locals are not happy about this. Like, especially when he's doing it guerrilla style. Some of the stuff they're just filming without permits, or you know, and they're they He says they got guys on the crew that they just dressed up into cop outfits here and there, and just had them block traffic and just mm-hmm. guerrilla style it, man. <laughs> I mean, but uh, <clears throat> he has to eventually. The government comes after him like he's he's in over his head. The government has come for him. He's had a gun put to his chest at one point by a cowboy because they there's the scene where the soldiers are dancing with the civilians and it's all males Mm. dancing together. Yeah. And there was a, a local cowboy came along and saw that scene being filmed, put a gun to his chest. Like, I mean, his life was in danger at this point. And he's got soldiers coming to his house in the middle of the night. They want him. They want his prince and it just got to a point where he was like I gotta get out of here so at the end of the film he takes off with the prince and his family and heads to New York City and does the post production there but that's how bad you know that's how bad things got for him by the end of this like they knew what he was up to they didn't like
0: it but he was pushing the right buttons clearly I remember a teen scene at the temple how did they shoot at that like Mayan temple or whatever oh they got
1: so they did get permission to film there but that shot where they're all up on the top of the temple, they did not get permission for mm-hmm. that one. They just gorillaed that one. They just wow. did it, like. But uh, and that whole time, that whole part where they're on that island and they're doing all the mushrooms and LSD and everything with all the characters, once they're close to the holy
2: mountain, I,
1: they're just on mushroom and LSD the whole time they're filming that, like for like two weeks straight.
2: Also, he, when they were filming, it was like they, the the government, you know, like they would see a scene where there was like the the the. Um, military people dancing and be offended. But like when they were filming at the, at the temple, like there was, um, no one knew what the film was, you know, they're just, oh, they're filming a thing. And like, it was, you could kind of like push it a little bit without knowing.
0: (laughs) Better to ask for forgiveness than permission.
1: And then he was sticking in stuff in there about the history of Mexico's Mm. horse with the toads and the, uh, iguanas or whatever they were. Chameleons. chameleons, That's what it was. Um, and he definitely killed those animals. I mean, when those things started blowing up, you <laughs> so, see their little so the toad frogs can, Okay,
0: that's what I was going to ask. I don't think that uh, there was any uh, animal protection on no, this No, PETA wasn't around in 73 The dog fighting scene. The, oh, uh, that I'm, was the rough one for me. I'm imagining yeah. those were all uh, dead chickens, too? Well, yes. obviously, those were sheep on the A tree of dead chickens. The tree of dead chickens. What was the other thing, the other animal? Dude, the well, I love the I love the the baby hippopotamus and the, oh, I lo- the fountain. Dude, I'm scene. A, I, I a mean, I hippo- mean, every scene yeah. was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like the best thing I love is and and, and ah, just practical sets. <laughs> yes, you know, digital stuff is just killing me these days. And God, you go back, and you see a film like this, which I had never seen, and just the vision to build this stuff and yeah. create these things, and you're just wow, that that is just incredible.
2: And then when you when you have the ability to just green screen it you you make jar jar binks yeah you yeah, just whatever. shit the yeah. bed <laughs> yeah i
0: mean um coming to something current i think that that's something that stands out in the new barbie movie is uh, which i know you've seen several I, times i, right? I have, I have not yet, yeah yeah uh, but, but twice over okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> practical sets it's yes. not there's there's no digital i mean maybe just minor but uh nonetheless it's it's like a practical practical sets real places physical structures mm. and i can appreciate that mm. uh, it's just I don't know it's a lost art now i guess i mean but obviously i guess the car co- it's more cost effective to do Definitely.
2: i don't know anyway. also like when when I, I i've heard uh and and uh it seems like when they make sets now they just throw them away it's kind right. of a bummer it's just yeah. very wasteful um anyhow
0: but um, <clears throat> I, I thought they got the blood perfect that's always a question in some of his mm-hmm. films, and so I I felt the blood was perfect, and there was a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. It was very crimson to my liking. So <laughs> that was nice. Um, I, I wasn't always, offended or shocked by any of the new. I guess the, the the new. I mean, I don't see what's the big deal with the, all the little boys. I mean, they were all they all had. Well, they mostly had little leaves on. Yeah. Well, they didn't most have, of their, okay. Let's get into this. There was a scene later, right? <laughs> let's get They're into this. they so tiny, you can't even <laughs> see.
1: No, them. no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's a little bizarre. Their little private parts are painted green. Who painted those private oh, were they parts? Painted green? They, they were, were painted green. Oh. So, so for anybody hasn't seen the movie, there's a scene where the <laughs> where the thief, one of the central characters is picked up by a couple dozen little naked children and he's drunk and pissed himself and they pick him up and they carry him away and they're mm-hmm. going to do they're going to, you know, do shit to him. Just fuck with him. And he comes back into it, and you see all these little boys with these little painted genitals, and they're very naked, and I'm thinking to myself, who painted those genitals? Like, <laughs> is there somebody on set that was an on-set genital painter?
0: Did you, did you look in the credits?
1: I didn't see it. I'm, I ho- just, I'm hoping they handed him watercolors and they did it themselves. Like, just dip
0: it in, son.
2: I bet you they... I'd probably want to paint my own dick. I thought it was CGI. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that, like, uh, I, I, let's just say that they painted their own dicks. I'm sure they were like, here, paint it. And then every kid even, I did. I thought
0: they had little leaves on. Oh, no, there were not leaves. Yeah. I didn't look that close. Well, I'm, I'm a details guy when it comes yeah. to these things. That's why you get the Blu ray, right? Exactly.
2: There's a, not to derail this, but there's a Crimson Curse video, and Jimmy Lavelle has a silver dick, and he, I didn't paint it. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just say that. He painted his own dick. He I did? think he was 20. With,
0: with silver paint, isn't that like that's dangerous, right?
2: Probably. No, yeah. glow in the dark. That'd, That'd be dangerous. Than
0: yeah. in the Wizard of Oz,
1: yeah. he almost killed him.
2: Yeah, exactly. Was his dick silver?
0: What about uh, <laughs> in Goldfinger? That girl, I think too. So the uh, <laughs> so the movie
1: is made. He finishes it off. It comes out, and it's kind of a midnight movie hit, and it you know it gets its uh, it gets its cult cinema status. It's uh. It's a pro, you know. It's a it's a sensation at the Cannes Film Festival in, in kind of a negative way. <laughs> Not a great sensation. Like it's people are stirred by it. They the violence, the nudity. They mm. were bothered by that. And anytime you're questioning religion, especially at that time, people mm. are going to be. It was 73 right? exactly? Yeah. So <clears throat> it comes out and it does its thing. It's out for a few years and then. So the main producer behind this thing is the Rolling Stones, Beatles manager Alan Klein. And he put up the millions or so, and I guess he got El Topo, too. So he basically did the same deal to Jodorowsky that he did to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, which was fuck him over. <laughs> Seriously. He had this me- intermediary company that you would sell your art to, and then he would sell it to the record company or the movie mm-hmm. company. And that was that's the grift right there. That's where he just takes all his shit. Yeah,
3: yeah. And so
1: he really did the Rolling Stones dirty. And, and they got out of it eventually, but not after a lot of trouble. And... Paul McCartney knew he was a rat, but John Lennon was just in on him. He just, for some reason, loved the guy. But he eventually did the same shit to Jodorowsky. Uh, He came to Jodorowsky with a story after Holy Mountain. He wanted him to film this story. Jodorowsky was working on Dune, which, Mm. Jesus Christ, that would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't interested. And uh, Alan Klein threw a shit fit. And took Holy Mountain and El Topo and buried them and said, no one will ever see these movies. No one will ever know your artistry. And he held to it for 30 something years. Mm. I wow. mean, what a shitty vendetta. Like that guy's a douche, but eventually his son, uh, Alan Klein's son came forward and contacted Joe in the two thousands and said, Hey, come meet me in London. We'll go talk to my dad. And Joe said when they met, it was just like, it was over real quick they settled their shit real quick. They hadn't seen each other in 30 years and mm-hmm. they came to an agreement really quick and boom, the movie's back out
2: and we're all the better for it. Cause now we all get to see it. Maybe that, maybe like the fact that it went away and was buried and kind of became this like secret cult thing made it yes. cooler. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what sucks yeah.
0: about today's society and what everything's on demand. You have everything immediately. Oh yeah. We're missing out on that. Like that's the stuff I love like that yeah it's even like the blair witch project for example where you know the way that that was introduced was like yeah you know it was this vhs that was passed around yeah you know
1: and for me it was as i was what so around 96 or 7 when johnny depp does fear and loathing in las vegas i saw him drop a reference to holy mountain Mm -hmm. in an interview and i was a big fear and loathing freak Mm -hmm. Uh and i saw him drop holy mountain reference and immediately i'm like fuck, i gotta find this i gotta find this bootleg i gotta see this movie took another 10 years but holy crap
0: once i saw it it yeah. was are there any other movies out there like that <clears throat> at that level uh
2: that you recommend or i mean i was trying to think of? i was trying to think like um i mean you mean well it's no because it's like first there's no there's very little dialogue it's just bizarre in right. itself but there are a lot of uh, films like even modern ones like um uh magnolia like that has a lot of Like pretty bizarro scenes that I feel like they just went the extra mile to make it insane. And and I would be curious to know like if the director of that film took cues from stuff like that or was influenced. I'm sure they would. They were, you know. But I I think there's probably a lot of films that like were in or directors that were influenced by the way that he made that film. But maybe maybe not like oh there's this other movie that's just like it. Yeah. I mean there are weird movies where you're like what the fuck did I just watch.
1: So we always touch on the soundtrack on this show. That's because yeah. we're music people. Yeah. So we can't let that one slide. Uh, so what do what are your feelings on the soundtrack on this one?
2: Uh, that's a loaded question. So I, um, who, it was um, Don so, Cherry worked on a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Don Cherry was, and, and Joe Dorowski did it together. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's it it's effective. It serves its purpose. But I do like the fact that like the people that were working on it were on the i don't i you know like they were on the fringe of like uh you know normal music they were they were very avant-garde and experimental and you can kind of see that i mean even don cherry's like stuff with um you know like in the jazz world was was he was working with like albert eiler and all all the like people that were just into like pushing boundaries musically and i think that shows in the film and you have to um they should uh you know work in sync the visuals and the audios and uh, the audio and i feel like i feel like they nailed it um on on this for sure yeah
1: yeah there's some of the scenes like especially for me like the rainbow room and stuff oh yeah just like that is so cool yeah
2: and and it has like you know there'll be scenes that are that, that have the whole um spectrum of emotion there'll be ones that are like uh well like the rainbow room and then but then there's like the 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 dancing scene where it's like almost comical so uh it, i feel like you you kind of have um the audio is it just does it does it justice it like serves its purpose and and brings you um to where the directors intended
1: yeah uh let's talk about the crew the uh crew of nine or i guess it's ten because the alchemist has an assistant uh the lady with all the tattoos but uh did you, so here's, here's the one question I had. They, so they start, he's in the room, uh, the alchemist is in the room with the thief, and they're, the room is spinning, and they're all the naked other seven people are there, and they're all being introduced to us. We never see, we never hear Mercury or Earth. Mm. So do you guys know who those two are? I don't know. I, I don't either. Unless the thief is Earth, or the alchemist is one of them. I don't know. When I was, when they uh. were, when they were listening to these other ones, yeah, I know this was the stumper of the whole thing. This is where Jodorowsky got us. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'll do them in order as they're introduced to us. So we got Fawn, who is Venus and he's the guy that has all the wives and has the warehouses. So, and the talking caskets, mm. oh Jesus, wasn't that amazing? Like your dead person can talk to you from beyond the grave. That shit was really black humor. He was going for it on that one. Uh, Isla is Mars She's the weapons merchant She's the one that had like the guitars That Mm. shaped his guns and Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. That shit was badass Uh Klen is Jupiter That's the millionaire Uh That's the one that had the machine Fucking the AI thing Oh yeah thing Uh Like Uh Cell is Saturn She's the one that plays with the kids That was actually Jodorowsky's wife Mm. Uh Berg is Uranus That's the computer perv uh, Axon is Neptune. That's the chief of police guy that has the room of nutsacks. Mm. I, that's, that's one of the more crazy images in the movie. Uh-huh. Is that the, First you see him castrate that young man. Yeah. And Dorowski says in the making of... I don't know how they pulled this one off. But he said when they were casting for the part of the guy getting his nuts chopped... That he needed to find a young man with a giant testicles. Now, how do you put out the casting call for that? <laughs> like, do you have a set of big balls? Come on down to the set of Holy mound. We're going to um, chop them off.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, now, thankfully, it's a, you don't actually see the act, but... It, it,
1: you see it, the blood. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then you see the room of testicles and wine glasses. Or something like they were. that. Yeah. As the kid has to place his in the last open spot. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. And there are literally like over a hundred of them as the camera's panning along. So you're just yeah, like Yeah, they
0: they reference a number, I forget. Oh, it it's so bad. But, but bad.
2: That is don't they say Neptune is the is the most violent yes. planet? So that would make sense. Like, yes. um, he meta- looks like a warlord. Mm. He looks like something from three hundred.
1: Like he does. <laughs> uh, and then the last one is loot, and that's
2: Pluto, and that's the architect pedophile mm. guy so that's our crew that's crazy so when i and and that list i think you can only really compile you know by searching online now right i mean the fact that they're kind of laying it out for you because when i watched it i i didn't know who was who as far as like the planetary relevance right i just thought that's what they're just representing it yeah not knowing which one was which
1: yeah they were they were doing it they were just going right down the line saying their name and i represent this planet and then they just start showing the visuals and you're just like so i'm just sitting there writing them down and and then finally i get to the end and i'm like okay wait a minute nobody said earth or mercury i was like is that the alchemist and the thief and i was like well this is one of the great mysteries i get to unravel watching this movie and Mm. that's why i love this movie
2: i mean that makes sense too like the thief is it would be relevant to being the earth i think so too or being earth but what about mercury what like what um qualities does it have that would tie yeah, into the know. alchemist maybe i don't know yeah, yeah i'm not sure maybe there's some kind of like, a chemical composite on the planet and he's the alchemist i don't know maybe right. something like that uh but it's weird they would enlist that
1: yeah so they they <clears> begin <throat> their journey and they go through all their you know they go to the island and there's the people there at the island at the bottom of the mountain and they're the ones that have given into fame and money and all that stuff and there's a lot of people in that place and, you know, that's kind of what he's saying is this is what you all go for as, you know, human beings. What was this, the bar
0: called? I forgot.
1: I totally forget the yeah. name of it. But it's like this is where you all end up because you get caught up in this shit <laughs> and you never <laughs> truly ascend. You never ascend yes, yes. to a yeah. higher level. And so they leave there mm-hmm. and they so they go do all the mushrooms and they end up on the temple and all that stuff. And then, you know, eventually they get to that mountain, which is a mountain outside Mexico City. It's a very famous mountain there in Mexico. And... They go to the top of that mountain, and then basically it's just, you know, the alchemist says, I can't do this part with you. You gotta do this, but you guys are ready. And then they ascend the final little part to the top, and you see this table with all these hooded robes around. You're like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. Like, we're gonna knock off the immortals, and we're gonna take over this thing. And then, uh... They walk up and push on the robes, and there's nobody actually there. And and then the alchemist pops out and says, surprise, y'all! Yeah, I mean... (laughs) That, that was pretty
0: interesting. Chokes on you. That's
2: life. <laughs> yeah. It is like the biggest, uh, most obvious metaphor for life. Absolutely. They'd yeah.
0: given up everything. They'd burned all their money. <laughs> They'd shaved all their heads. They were all in there. It was kind of like the... Uh, what's the cult that was up in North County? The Heaven's Gate. They were mm-hmm. all in their oh, yeah. blue outfits. You know. I love
1: when they're shoving the money in the fire and the thief shoving mm-hmm. it up his yep. sleeve. I was cracking. He called him out on it, though. He finally said, Yo, thief, put that shit back in
0: the fire. Like. But it wasn't so obvious Like it was weird how when I was reading but basically the thief the prostitute and I want to compliment that that um, chimpanzee on its acting <laughs> that is a fine simian. I, I was amazed at watching that actually yeah. seriously like it was one of my favorite pretty- visuals in the movie is when
1: the thief is carrying the cross as Jesus and his little sidekick ego the quadruple amputee mm-hmm. is carrying the back end of the cross and the prostitute is walking with the chip behind her that's one of the best visuals in the whole movie. Yeah, I love that.
0: The he chip, throws, the, throws chimp, the hippo. They were all killing it. Uh, the camel was in there. Too. The camel was great. <laughs> I don't know. That little know. hippo <clears throat> stood out for sure. Um, Could you imagine hanging well, out with the hippo? Turning,
2: turning poop into gold was probably one of the more magnificent. You wa- and, yeah, excrement. Magnific- <laughs> yeah, that's the quote of the film. Like that's the thing that like really sums up everything to me at least.
1: Turn your, what, what is it?
2: Is you are excrement, but you can become gold. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's actually the whole point of the thing. Like that's yeah. what Joe trying to say. Yeah. Like
2: that's if your life. That
1: goes with fake it to make <sighs> it. You know. I gotta yeah. keep.
2: I gotta keep. I gotta like tattoo that quote on me or something to keep me <laughs> shit in line. Because it, it is. It is. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, look at look what we're doing now. Not us, but like humans now. Still, it's like get it together.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, it's a mirror to society, which still stands up. But, yeah. You know. The rich, the elite, and, and just everything. But what is the, the birds coming out of the children's chests? Mm. That was a mm-hmm. fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. But also the colors of their blood was was not blood. It was different colors. Mm-hmm.
1: They would
2: bleed blue or yellow. Or the thief or, when he got mm-hmm. his tumor cut out. It was mm-hmm. all blue. Oh, the tumor scene. Oh, oh god. I mean, to me, like that stuff seems very sci-fi-esque of the time. Sure. Blue gooey shit coming out. Yeah. The bird thing, too, seemed like one step away from like a piece of maybe like it was like they right. were getting shot and there was like these birds coming out as like some sort of liberation freedom or something right
0: it's definitely one of those films that like it is like a painting and it, mm. it, it you could rewatch it you could even just put some music on and just watch it for the visuals because the, you know put your own soundtrack to it sure. i guess if you wanted to almost because it is one of those kind of films you might even see it at a bar if somebody no, happens to have that, it at yeah a, i've been you told know. that
1: there's a couple psych rock bars around in, like, Portland, put Texas, that on, and like Portland, and they just play it all the time well there's
2: yeah. there's only there's very little dialogue i don't know how he cut out like 30 minutes of dialogue so i don't yeah. know what um i love that old man though that just he like grunts <laughs>
0: He does, he's very, he's trying to communicate and that's early on. So I'm kind of assuming, okay, that's what I'm going to be getting. They're not actually (laughs) going to be speaking. It's Like he's mimicking speaking with, I don't know. Anyway, Uh, the first time
2: I watched it, I didn't even realize that there was very little dialogue. I, I was so enthralled in it and I, it wasn't until, um, maybe, maybe someone pointed out that quote about the excrement that we started focusing on. Oh, there is no actual like. I mean there's dialogue but there's not like a substantial amount and it was just very very yeah. yeah.
0: And it's not dubbed it's all in English, right?
1: It is in English cuz he wanted to to be released in yeah. America so he wanted to get in on that money train. Cuz he like, should have did they, George Harrison and that
0: would have been the money train but yeah, I mean if you've never seen it it is a, a a mind trip and just visually stimulating. I mean your brain just goes off from all the visuals. Well, here's my, another thing,
1: all the amputees in this movie like we think, you know, we did the wizard of Oz not long ago. You know, we, it's coming up guys, not yet. It's coming up with our big guy <laughs> maze, but you know, that movie to little people is like, you know, cause there was so many brought in, they were bringing them in from Europe. They needed so many of them. I felt that way watching this one. Like there are so many amputees in this movie. I was like, did they just put out a casting call in Mexico city? And we're like, if you got a limb missing, come on down. Mm-hmm. Like, cause there's a ton of them. There's one scene sort of towards the end where it's almost like they're on a campus of disabled people, mm. and, and there's just a lot of them. I How was, many
0: movies have featured freaks like that? Well, there's Other the, mo- than, the movie Freaks. I know that's what I'm saying, mm. but, you know.
1: <laughs> Which will probably, I, I somebody will pick at some point. There is
0: a, there's a little person right now, I forget what he's been in, but he's he's having issues, I guess, with... Uh, the fact that little people aren't being used in Oh, the films. guy that was whining about. Oh, he's, he's bummed because the, the Oompa Loompa, Loompa. Loompa in the new Willy Wonka movie is, what's what's Hugh his name? Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant uh-huh. is the new, so he's pissed because it's not a real yeah. person. Is Come it on. like the Dorf
2: guy? You know, Dorf on golf? No.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that would be better. You remember that? That guy was yeah, great. Yeah, Tim I, Conway was amazing. Yeah, was Tim yeah. Conway who was Possibly one of the funniest he things is the ever. Funniest humans yeah.
2: ever. Him and Harvey Corman doing their stick yep. Oh, I'm not, man. you know, obviously I'm not a little person, but if I was and I was like, Oh, you're gonna do the dwarf on golf kind of thing, like I'd be like, That's cool. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't have any room to speak on that.
0: <laughs> no, we don't but it, but
2: but I do think that the the fact that there were all the people that were amputees in that film, for me, even then and still now, it is one of the many, many um sort of unsettling aspects of the film. Um just because i for me i'm always like thinking like what was the tragedy that led them to that point and and um i don't know even like the basic ability to to function in in, in the world um with with that limitation uh it that
0: dude roll did he roll that doobie or the joint oh that or is so the, badass. the oh. way he manipulates yeah. and and does yeah. what he yeah. does and world, i was like wow no i know he rolled it because
1: look how quickly he busted it out yeah like he just I was so impressed with how he popped that joint out, popped it into his mouth and started firing away and then passed and it passes. over to the thief. Yeah. And I'm like, they passed oh, it back and forth a few times. That
0: dude's a, That's a real good performance from that guy. That's what's amazing about humans. I mean, yes, they, that, that man had a, a terrible life. We can imagine, but there's really perseverance and he's good in this. And, and, in this. and you yeah. can, you can, you can still do stuff and, and progress and, and, have a life so yeah fascinating i think it puts puts those people up in front of you and might mm-hmm. make you uncomfortable but you know all those people are out there like they're part of society they should be feel as welcome we shouldn't be like weirded out by it as you know
2: my brain just went off on this weird tangent because when i got the bootleg vhs it had the two crippled masters or crippled heroes i think it was just called crippled heroes but the the, the kung fu film i wonder if they were the that in the, was in the, the film it was on there? yeah I, I didn't think about that until right now cuz doesn't el topo
1: have some kind of stuff like that in it maybe. too
0: maybe yeah but it definitely makes you when when you see that stuff you become at least a little bit more comfortable with it i would think you know for but sure he he knows it also is that i mean it is that thing that con- just that thing it, yeah that film isn't necessarily a feel-good hit of the summer right (laughs) it's supposed to be all of that things it's supposed to you know how do you interpret it
2: well i I appreciate walking away from it or from any film and 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 that can give you the ability to contemplate it you know like i i enjoy going to the cinema and on the way home like discussing it with the people i saw it with like what was that or this or that you know and like trying to calculate the all the notes that you have you know like those are things that i think are unique and instead of it just being like, oh, I got it. I already understand it.
0: Well, there aren't many. I mean, everything's just so bombastic and in your face now. It's hard to find, um, Mm. you know, they're not making these movies anymore. Nor will they again. They're making superhero films and and whatever else. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're out there.
2: Yeah, I think they're still making films that are,
0: you know. um, Well, maybe not on the grand They would CGI
2: all the nudity today. (laughs)
0: Well, you know it.
2: Well, I also think that maybe there's a lot of aspects of the film that they would have avoided um, now. But I do think there are films that are just like that's pretty fucked up. Anything you've seen recently or or
0: newer?
1: Well, you'll see stupid shit like Terrifier 2, where there's just so much blood and guts, where Mm. you're just it's just you become immune to it at some point, and you're just like. What's the point of this movie? Like, so there are people that try to push it in those different boundaries, so the like, ones that
2: are like just to be absurd for the sake of absurdity. That's that's, that's one thing, but I do think there's films that you kind of can walk away from and, and contemplate and not feel good or like, oh, I was fulfilled by that. It was the, the, I got it, you know, and I I, I like that. It. It's like,
0: so like everything everywhere all at once is that kind of a film maybe that would leave. You'd leave I don't know. I'm just trying to think of oh,
1: new, no, I left newer the films that kind yeah. of make no, me no, feel a little the bit I left theater the
0: first time on that one with my
1: head spinning. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I mean Maybe
2: that is like sort of a modern but it, but it, that has a dialogue, it has a story, it's very very it's very complex, but it's kind of also there for you. I mean, us trying to figure out like parallel dimensions and shit, good luck with that. But I think on a a, a level of like a modern film that maybe in some sort of lineage was probably inspired by Jodorowsky's work you know so maybe that would be a good a good example I I would say something it was like that would be like maybe less recognized or less successful because the fact that it was like well that's just Just fucked up there right right um
0: they just aren't getting made on a well on that level I guess I mean I'm sure there's all kinds of I mean it's easy to make easier to make movies now for people than in 1970s Mm -hmm. so I guess there's visionaries but yeah. their vision has to kind of rise a little bit. There's just too much crap out there now. Well, also, uh, everything's
1: problem. so politicized. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, right now we've got Barbie, you know, innocent yeah. little Barbie in the theaters is driving a wedge in the country. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> there Ch- Chinese propaganda, right? Or something? And they, yeah. yeah. And then the sound of freedom is out there, this right-wing mm-hmm. piece of shit that they threw out there. And then... You know, it's just, they're making cinema. They're, you know, politics and this divisiveness in this country is affecting cinema. And that's where I get pissed off as a movie fan. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, knock that shit off. I don't want that in this. This is why I come to these movies. This is why I'm yeah. paying 20 fucking dollars today. I don't want to hear about this bullshit. Like, I want to watch Barbie and fuck off. Like, It's escapism. That's what it's
0: supposed to be. You know?
2: or, or, I don't know, this might be like a hard left or something. But what about like Sasha Baron Cohen like, and the, the stuff that he's done with his Pranks, obviously politicized, but it is like so absurd and kind of um, like you get the narrative, obviously uh, opposed to the Holy mountain, but you get, you get to walk out and you you're like, how the fuck did he do that? And like, how did, how does he live his life without getting killed or like, you know, all these things. Uh, I think those are like also important questions that aren't like really about the film. You're like, how did you get really Rudy Giuliani in there to do that? He went
0: in disguise to a rally and was performing on stage. Did you ever see that bit? With, yeah, the, yeah. It was in the news. Yeah, mm-hmm. as some hillbilly, and then started singing
2: like. Yeah, and they they kind of <laughs> came for him they, at the end of that. They
0: finally and he like escaped in an ambulance or something. Yeah. So.
2: so it's like the scene where you said the guy put the the, the cowboy put the gun to um Right, uh, when the males were dancing together, yeah. yeah it so it's sort of like that. You're like, oh, you're gonna threaten this person. I mean, I guess that you didn't know it. Like in this situation with Sasha Baron Cohen, you didn't know that was. You didn't know it was him. You just thought it was some fuckhead. Well, you also didn't know they were filming a
1: movie. Yeah. Like, the guy that put the gun to Jodorowsky's chest knew they were filming a movie. Yeah. Like, somebody, the guys that go after Sasha, they don't know he's filming a movie. Yeah. He's showing up in real life and
2: pranking them. Maybe the guy in, maybe the cowboy was, like, trying to, like, infiltrate and get in the film. You know? like <laughs> We mean, all that... know he probably was. I mean, let's get real. <laughs> That's another movie. Or, 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 I mean, let's just go, like, even weirder. Like, what if he, what if. Jodorowsky got the cowboy to come and threaten him in front of everybody so they saw this like sort of I don't know that could have been something like the tense nature of the scene I don't don't know know. like not to equate it to I've worked with producers that have come in and like fucking shoved like get up like stand up and fucking get into it like who cares if you're gonna mess up you know and you're like whoa we're the producer just shoved <laughs> Nick Zinner. <laughs> you know that's funny. Uh, that's funny, but it made it like you know you, the performance happened. Like, so fuck I that g- guy. Well, like, ah. I don't know. Like I, I could see like Jodorowsky getting uh, this sort of prop person to go and like make this scene a little bit more jacked up than it already was. He was a button pusher. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure. Hmm. I could see
0: it. It's a rabbit hole you could go down and discuss over and over and. All kinds of things out and you probably wouldn't even be right but that's the beauty of a film like that and Mm. i think what like you're talking about and they don't make those kinds of films it's the kids that love going to the Ken cinema or the landmark and it's kind of film that's thought provoking makes Mm. you think about things could be your interpretation of the film could be completely different than the the next guy
2: to to me i could pick apart a scene and and equate it to a song that you know Mm -hmm. the locust wrote or something or or i can just see it in other people's art through and throughout, like, uh, there's so many, there's so many aspects, you know, even the, 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 when they started making the mold of, of him, I feel like that's been used in other, uh, sure. elements, uh, you know, so many times, um, ju- justifiably used because it's a very important point. Uh,
0: it was cool. I would go watch it again. I might play some other music behind it, like I said, mm. but, um, visually stunning and, 1973 the 70s were such a, a phenomenal time for filmmaking when filmmakers could do this and get away with this and you know today's movies just aren't necessarily that, that are getting a mm. wide scale release or that a bunch of people can see and talk about and create some kind of uh, nationwide discussion you know like we don't get that anymore because people aren't into the same thing
2: right you know it's, but- I think maybe Hollywood wants this certain thing. I don't know. There they things seep through. Like I'm trying they to
0: want it's all AI bullshit and they want to just make the movies that's gonna bring uh, the the most people in. It's the superhero movie. But not so.
2: everybody. I mean, what about like um I know Mandy? Or that, that, oh, was, yeah. There, yeah. was there was there um that,
0: that had support with Nick Cage, right?
2: Yeah, but I mean yeah. like there's no like um
1: They went and said Mandy. I can't wait to do that one. That was
2: like the <laughs> that was like a legit yeah. fucked up thing. And like I think uh I don't know. I guess maybe even Mandy might be a good example where like you can't watch it and be like, yeah, I'm indifferent. You know, like I'll watch Barbie and be like, yeah, I'm indifferent. You know, whatever. But when you watch Mandy, you're like, you have to have a reaction to it. Like you're like, that was fucked up. Or I like, have I have seen to that feel one, this. Is that you what that went
0: with the pig? You see no. The pig that no, no, no. That's, that's a good
2: a, one, too. That's called pig. And uh-huh. that is a terrific. Have you seen film.
1: Renfield yet? Mm-hmm. Renfield's fun, too. Okay. The Cage's on has been going on, man, for the last five <laughs> know, years. I, I'm a fan. Ever yeah. since Mandy kicked it off, uh-huh. he's been on fire. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, weight of massive talent or whatever, the unbearable yeah, weight, yeah. that was fun, too. Yeah, uh-huh. like, That's Nick's, where he plays himself. Nick's been killing it. Yeah. But,
2: dude, I will loan you Mandy. Mandy yeah. is amazing. There's a scene in the in the film where he's, like, seriously fucked up, and he's in the bathroom, and it's, yep. like, so long. It, and so um, unsettling, and I and I think that like that's the kind of cinema that I appreciate, where you're just like, I feel really weird watching this. Mandy is
1: the is two different films. The first hour of it is is almost there's moments where it almost feels like The Shining, like Kubrickian, and it's just very lights and it's all set up and sh- and shadows, and then boom, right in the middle of the movie, that horrific event yep. you, you know happens. Mm-hmm. Nick Cage goes to the bathroom and goes full Nick Cage in his underwear <laughs> screaming at the ceiling chugging Jack Daniels and then it shifts into the second half of the movie which is a straight up 70s Roger Corman revenge mm. flick mm. And, and and just chainsaw fights on acid and just <laughs> Mandy's incredible What's I can't so, wait okay, to Okay so it. hey wait
2: what about the film with um Joaquin Phoenix that was um super weird fuck um I Anybody know that one? You know what I'm Junker. talking about? not No. Oh, oh, Bo is afraid. But yeah, yeah. So that kind of has like a bit of, of, of the holy mountain in it. You sure. know, you're just like, what is reality? Did you and, see that one? Oh, yeah. I fucking felt like I wasted three hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I really, I really uh, did enjoy uh, it for the sake that it like got my brain going, you know? But yeah. like at the end, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Uh, that, was, that was a hard you talk about
0: who'd you see it with? Did you have a conversation about the film afterwards?
2: Yeah, it's funny because I was trying to watch it with my mom, and I'm so fucking <laughs> glad I didn't because there's some shit in there that she definitely would not be able to yeah, handle. Yeah, I think she's
0: going to get
1: Ari Aster.
2: Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a bizarre film, and uh, I don't know what reality is when I watch it. And I think that's cool. Kind of like Holy Mountain, kind of like Marvel movies. <laughs> 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 uh, Poor babe.
0: Well, like, you know, I haven't heard the greatest reviews of the new Wes Anderson film, but I love that it's all, looks like practical sets. It's
2: again. pretty good. It's yeah. like, yeah, maybe Wes Anderson stuff is like the, the, the like, cute, like, non-mind fuckery of a movie, right. you know, from the Holy Mountain. <laughs> the cute and
0: quaint side yeah. of it. I love that.
2: I, love I that am scene. looking forward to the G.G. G. Allen film that's coming out. That That should be good. Um, but tell us
0: about your experience seeing Gigi Allen at the spirit nightclub. Do you have anything to share from that evening? Right. You, so you were, yeah, yeah I just, show. I was outside of it. I was, oh, I was young. 14 or 15. Yeah. Swami I just swam. was inside. He
2: was inside. It was very frightening. Even being outside. Uh, dude. It, I'm so it's funny. I just had this conversation with John and I thought the show was only four minutes long. He said it was a full set and he went through like explaining it. I felt like Four it was, minutes. I felt like it just happened. And then everybody got ejected out onto the street and we're just fighting. Uh, and I, and I was a little kid. I'm like, what the fuck? There's bikers and Nazis and shit, like beating up this dude that's covered in poop. And, uh, um, I guess my perception as a, as a young person was wrong. Uh, it happened differently, but regardless, I'm grateful that I experienced yeah, it. What, you yeah. What year was that
0: early, early nineties? Yeah, before the, uh, before the n- n- yeah. It was uh,
2: ni- ninety, maybe. 90. Uh, it was maybe ninety, I think. Yeah.
0: I think I was. Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to G. G. Allen at that <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> kind of wish I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. wish I did. I,
2: d- I don't think I knew John Reese at the time, or didn't recognize him, but I did um, meet um, Rob Moran from Unbroken there. Oh, nice. Uh, we we knew each other, and I was like, oh, he's there too, and then we became friends. So.
0: And they're playing, you said. I mean t- tonight, t-
2: today, and tomorrow, yeah, reunion. What still. prompted
0: a reunion for them?
2: They're on a label called Indecision. There's a festival today that's happening in oh, cool. Orange County, and then they're doing, uh, which was a secret show, but now not secret show tomorrow at the Che. And this will uh, have already happened at this point if we get yes. this in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So you no missed it. No one can it. get tickets anyhow, so <laughs> fuck it.
0: <laughs> you can go be like a, you can you can be like a, a young Justin Pearson and hang out on the eucalyptus trees. Near the Shea Cafe and, and absorb and, and hear some of the show. Yeah, maybe I would just sneak in always. You would, yeah, All right. yeah, good to know, good to know. Um, so what's exciting right now is you have a documentary coming out, right? <laughs> yeah, There's a documentary. It's exactly
2: about- like Holy Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> My dick is green in it. <laughs>
0: Did you paint it yourself?
2: No, no. I had a. It was like a. I had to <laughs> hire someone it's to do that. Credits,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, dick. so we're gonna get a premiere here in San Diego. Yes. Where is that happening?
2: Digital Gym nice. Cinema, which is a weird place in a great way. Um, the yeah. new one is fantastic. Holy Where's shit! The new one? Downtown. Right by the grocery outlet. Um, it's really like a beautiful <laughs> theater. I was like, damn, this is some crazy ass shit. Um, so, yeah, they're doing two screenings there. And, uh, and they
0: support the weird and unusual and creative and thought provoking um, type of films occasionally, I believe, right? I mean, I don't know
2: how they support it, but basically the director rented it in two hour increments. So they'll support it if you pay for it. Okay. They <laughs> uh, uh, really wasn't it. like, hey, we support you. Come and show your movie. They're like, have you it can-
0: shown anywhere yet? yeah well, let's sell it out when is it again
2: the 11th august 11th at the digital gym at 5 30 the eight the eight ones sold out so okay. and bobby from the locust and i will be there doing i a i'm going to give away a bunch of free free 31g stuff that i can't sell and um <laughs> talk to people for
0: you like talking to people you're good at that you you <laughs> uplift people you <laughs> elevate our scene that's the stuff i'm talking about you're <clears throat> approachable and you're just a nice person I'm i able-
2: hear i'm a dick Eh, I don't know.
0: I feel lucky to call you a friend. I've, I've never worked seen with you it. for fifteen years, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think you've ever been a dick around me. I would call other people in the music scene a well, dick. Well, on Lamb Goat
2: or in Pitchfork, it says I'm a dick. No, it. <laughs> it um, the film's funny too, because Gabe calls me a dick, and Joey kind of says I'm a dick. <laughs> Maybe we're wrong,
0: Kyle. Uh, <laughs> well, we're not in the band with them, so being yeah. in a band with—I mean, especially those guys. I mean, how many members? Uh, who, who started the Locust?
2: Bobby and Dave Astor were the right. two Dave Astor's dad was in the Battalion of Saints yeah. okay. um, and then uh, yeah and then we got they got me and then I got Dylan Scharf and uh, Dave Warshaw from Creepy Creeps Yeah. And those two left and we got Jimmy Lavelle yeah. from Album Leaf and everything else and then Jimmy left and we got joseph caram and yeah. that was it uh oh and, was, and gabe obviously gabe uh, came in with yeah. joey and and then and then that was it Dave. gabe
0: was in cattle decapitation yes also. yeah All
2: right. he's like he's like mario kind of you know he's like one of those human beings mario rubikaba and gabe serbian where you're like oh you're really talented at like you're insanely talented at more than one thing like that's fucked up because most humans don't even get one and then they get like two or three you know like like gabe's like Oh, yeah, you can play drums like that and you can play guitar like that. And, you know, you can do all these other things and, you know, Mario drums and skates. And you're just like, fuck you guys.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, <clears throat> no. One, uh, you not- one of my favorite
1: nights ever here was the first Dead Cross show here <clears throat> when Gabe was singing. Yes. And yes. And I was in the back office with Gabe and Dave Lombardo. Yeah. And they're both just geeking out on each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gabe was like, Graham you just don't even know like this was one of my favorite drummers when I was a kid and Dave's standing over there he's taking the shine and then all of a (laughs) sudden he's like yeah you know I always really liked Gabe you know it's just like just mutual admiration and then during the set like there was a point where Dave's thrashing away behind the drums and I'm working the side of the stage there and I see Gabe come over the kit and he's right in Dave's face screaming in his face and Dave's screaming right back at him and I was just like, "This is one of the best moments I've ever worked here. This moment right here, like yeah. seeing these two
2: guys that I know that are badass mm-hmm. dudes,
1: just letting it all out right <laughs> in each other's faces." Like. But who
2: else has yelled in Dave's face like that? You think Carrie King did? No, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
3: no.
2: to
0: witness those shows with Gabe in the band, and then mm. even later on when uh, when Mike Patton now is singing in the band, but seeing at the Observatory, Gabe came up and, and sang <laughs> and destroyed uh, everything a, a on few stage. Songs. Yeah, yeah, one so one good. song and destroyed yeah, everything. But that was a nice thing to, to witness mm-hmm. as well to see him be yeah, up there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but holy
2: crap! I also feel like maybe Gabe probably would have loved The Holy Mountain and and chose this as as a film too. I don't know. May, he probably would have picked. Who knows what he would have picked? Something about Sasquatch or something. But 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 maybe this <laughs> might have been. Maybe yeah. this might have been. I mean, this is all. This kind of like r- runs in that realm, I suppose. So I think he would have like chose this film as well.
0: I miss that man. It's been a, a rough few years with a lot of losses, mm. but. Uh, three that really stand out to me on the music scene are mm-hmm. Gabe, O and just too recently Rick mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, COVID yeah. was one thing, but having just us being now men and have grown up and to be we're you know, we're not kids anymore. Mm. At least I'm not, Justin's still a kid. Um YouTube <laughs> you too, you too gram. But yeah, I'm I mean I'm older than Rick and at fifty five passing, that's that's just you had a lot to go. A lot to give. Yeah. A lot to give. You have a lot yeah. to give. Uh, we're looking forward to the documentary. What's the title of the documentary?
2: Don't Fall in Love with Yourself.
0: <laughs> and uh, can we still find your Jerry Springer performance available Fuck. on uh, streaming YouTube?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's it's. All, I We get into it in the, uh, in the documentary, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why we don't even need to talk about anything of your career, because you should just go see the documentary. <laughs> and it will, I mean, it'll describe everything from the Jerry Springer incidents mm-hmm. to... All the great bands you've been a part of, the the film that you've been in, and you're in Uncle Grandpa. You actually too, a voice yeah. character, a character, animated fig, a character in Uncle Grandpa. So it's amazing, Justin Pearson. You are a legend, an icon, um, and a microdose taker. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is one of the most unique things I've found. I blame the Holy Mountain. The last few months. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, were you on drugs when you saw the film?
2: No. Uh, the first time. No, yeah. not, no, never. I, I feel like, and it's funny that you said that you took um, mushrooms the first t- two times. Two times, yeah. I, I feel like I would want to be fully sober because I'm like, there's so much information. Um, but I should probably take it <laughs> It couldn't hurt. Yeah, and then, and then maybe I'll get a different set of information. But for me, I was like just trying to be fully re- ready, you know, like in reality. Um, what I'm are like,
0: like the top five quickly, uh, like drug taking films like i mean obviously dark side of the moon i mean you could say wizard of oz i suppose this is most definitely mm-hmm. one you 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 might want to take some kind of <clears throat> probably the new barbie movie, movie. the new barbie yeah see. oh without it, pretty, a doubt <laughs> pretty much anything especially if you like pink well justin thank you is there anything <laughs> coming up else that we we haven't added uh, celebrating um how many years with 31G it'll be 20 years next year more than that 30 years it's a lot 94 you started i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah don't ask specific go see the movie Read the books. Do you talk about the, um, was it a locust? What went in your ear?
2: It was a cockroach. It was a cockroach. He had
0: to have a cockroach surgically removed (laughs) from his ear. But then he calls his band the locust. Could have been the cockroaches? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this has been uh, Soundcheck Flicks presented by the Casbah. Thank you to our team, Orion, Eric, and Amanda, and, of course, you, Graham Stevens, my brother from another mother, we are two separate people. Thank just you. Clarification: sir. There, we're two separate people. We are radically different people. But I mean, come on, we're we all middle-aged <laughs> and white. Yeah, we're like the the the, the scourge of America. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just stoked to talk about something besides. I mean, we talk about music, but thank you for bringing this movie to my attention. Um, I was just really stoned. That's my disclaimer for watching the movie. Right on. Shout out to all the (laughs) local pot shops. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Anything else? Graham, we're out of here. You don't have any, like, (laughs) closing words on this movie? Not one thing? There's nothing. Tim Piles, you are excrement. Thank Thank you. uh, But you can be gold. There we go. Boom. We're out. (laughs)
1: Hey, SCF lovers. On our next episode, we're gonna be meeting in the mosh pit for 1983's Suburbia. Join us next week and see who our special guest is.